0: Salon said don't touch my hair do, do. and people are still doing it. They are still doing it <laughs> to
1: this day. And she said within it, oh my, no, 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 I'm doing it. Okay. Read your books now. Start preparing yourself now. Right. Start learning how to cut hair now. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome back to A Space To Be Heard.
2: First of all, we'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who interacted with our last podcast. It's meant a lot to see all of your responses to it, so thank you for that. So
1: today guys, we're going to be talking about a subject that I'm really excited about. We're going to be talking about um, black hair within the dance industry and obviously in wider society. We've got some new voices on here today, which I'm really happy about. Hello, I'm Kira Brown. I'm a, about to be a third
0: year dancer at Laban. Hi, I'm Jasmine Samuji and I'm a third-year
2: dancer. And we'll reintroduce ourselves. So I'm Emma Green. Um, I'm about to be a third-year dancer too at Trinity Laban.
1: Olivia, Neil Trenchfield, I'm going to be a third-year dancer as well. Ebony here and I'm going into my second year at Laban as
2: a dancer. So, okay, we've kind of got some questions just to get the ball rolling today. I'll just open this up to everyone. So do you guys find that having afro-textured black hair affects your dance training and career?
1: I think I do agree with that. I think more so, especially in uh, classical techniques like ballet, I've always struggled with feelings of confidence. I think like that. Um, I remember just simple things like I used to struggle to get my hair into a bun, like as neat as all the girls with straight hair would and just kind of made you feel Um, not as confident, I think, going
0: into class.
1: Yeah, so I used to do ballet exams, and I think once I got to, like, year six, year seven, whenever we had a ballet exam, I always straightened my hair. Or any dance show, really, to be honest. It didn't have to be ballet. Any dance show, performance that was going to go on stage, I always straightened my hair, because I just didn't want to be the other. I just wanted to fit in with the rest of the group and not, like, stand out in any way.
2: Yeah, so I was reading, like, an article earlier called... um Corners Fit for a Ballerina by Gabriella Johnson where pretty much like it was basically about this exact issue where her daughter was going to a ballet school and it was like a majority white ballet school and she basically got told for one of the shows that she wasn't allowed to wear her hair and braids like even if it was in a bun she wasn't allowed it had to be a sleek bun and basically there was like an uproar amongst like the parents and the school where they were saying like they have to consider that it's not possible a lot of like afro textured hairs to get a sleek style and that it's outrageous for them to expect that and not try to understand the perspective that they were coming from basically
1: yeah i feel like since dance is evolving and ballet is evolving you have to everything within it needs to evolve as well like you can't be saying yeah we want black people within ballet and then say but no you still need to do your hair like a white person it doesn't correlate sort of going back to what olivia was saying about straightening your hair i remember whenever you do a dance show or anything like that and god forbid the word like french braids came up i just think oh my god here we go like that would take me a whole day to achieve like i'd have to prep i would seriously have to do a preparation to get there and so yeah straightening your hair just became so much easier but then that's also just like trying to sort of remove your culture from the whole art
2: yeah literally i feel like it might be hard to understand because for some people it just seems like hair but it's true like when it comes down to black hair is about that it's about culture and you know literally the idea that we're not allowed to show that part of ourselves because ballet is apparently this like white thing or it always has been historically this white thing so we now have to conform to that and we can't bring our own thing to it and i know there's a lot of ballet companies now like ballet black like that do celebrate black ballet dance specifically but i think when you're training especially you're just trying to fit in like you haven't you haven't got to the place where you can go and celebrate your blackness yet because you're just trying to fit in at this point I feel like it's so hard to do that it's so isolating to try and like conform to this stuff that we're never going to be able to conform to like we literally can't do slick like a lot of us can't do slick so it's like that thing like it just makes you feel like black people don't belong in ballet which is a horrible feeling
0: yeah I was gonna say like when when it comes to, like, shows, I remember being on Cat at Laban, and, like, the choreographer would be like, okay, so we're going to talk about hair now. And then they'll be like, so, so we want a slick ponytail and, like, a front braid at the front. And then the woman looked at me and was like, so what can you do with that? And
2: I was like, I can do
0: that. No. But it's going to be different. It's going to be an Afro path. And obviously, I was the only black girl in the group, so... It was awkward, but...
1: That's the thing. I feel like it's always being othered. It's like pointing you out in front of that whole group. It just makes you feel different all the time. I feel like it's still the idea that we're, we're working in someone else's world, if you know what I mean. We're not here to change it. We're just here to fit in where we can. So it's kind of like we're not going to change everything just for you. So it's going to stay how it is, and you can either do it or you can't. Yeah, I would just feel, like, really uncomfortable doing my hair Around my fellow dance students in my old college, I just would not like to get my hair out because I know people would be like, Oh my god, like what is that? How are you gonna control that? Do you know what I mean? How are you gonna slick that back? Um, so it was more like just feeling embarrassed as well about my hair and about doing my hair around people, like obviously around predominantly white people and so they would always do their hair together they'd be like oh i can do yours I can do. but then when it comes to be doing mine it's like i mm, don't really know how to do that kind of thing so i don't know if you lots want to move on and talk about your experiences outside of dance mm-hmm. uh, so personally back in high school i struggled a lot with my hair had to cut it all off because of damage basically like people would target my hair texture just because it was obviously very thick so they'd throw like rubbers in my hair they'd touch it a lot and be like oh like what's all that because I used to just slick it with gel and people used to touch it and be like eh like what's that like and make a big deal about it um they'd call me sonic like it was just mad like it was a mad experience for me yeah just like experiencing that it made me really have a bad relationship with, with my hair from a very early age yeah I just wanted to just have it straight have it relaxed and due to that i damaged it like terribly but yeah from i think like year nine um i kind of just went on this natural hair journey like because i was inspired by a lot of like youtubers like watching these women of afro-caribbean descent and um cut a long story short, i wore my hair natural for prom and that was a real milestone for me um i had a very similar experience to ebony actually very similar um i felt very uncomfortable with hair i went to school in a predominantly white area and pretty much all my friends were white uh, or Caucasian. So the beauty standard where I was from was having long straight hair and I was very much the opposite. And so I went through a whole process of relaxing my hair, completely killed all my hair off to the point where, yeah, similar to Ebony, I had it all cut off. I remember thinking, I don't know how I can step out of the house because I absolutely, I just hated my hair. And um, my auntie had given me this one of those like clip-in Hair pieces. It wasn't, it didn't really match my hair very well. It was like a very last minute thing just so I could wear something to school so I didn't like feel humiliated. And so because it didn't match my hair, I wore like a bandana around it to cover up the difference. And I remember going to school and so many teachers were telling me to take the bandana off. They were like, you can't wear that, like, it's not proper school uniform. It was just, it was so horrible. And yeah, I think hair is a thing that I've struggled with massively, literally Mm. since probably about the age of six. And only, I think, recently in the past couple of years, I'm beginning to like my hair and learning ways to deal with it um, and using it as a way to express myself. But I think, yeah, especially growing up around a lot of Caucasian people, I really just didn't feel very
0: confident. So for me, like, my mum relaxed my hair from young because of the way, like, Like, my mum views hair, like, she thinks it being straighter is better for the, like, standards of school or work. And it looks much better. And because, you know, like, natural hair texture is hard to deal with. So, like, I think she started relaxing it when I was, like, seven. And then it it was doing fine. And then I got to secondary school. And I went to kind of, like, a really mixed school. Predominantly black and Asian, and then some white people as well. Yeah, everyone had relaxed hair, and that was kind of the cool thing. My hair got really bad, and I remember I I had to cut it all off because it was literally falling out. It was looking looking like string, like literal string. And I cut it off. I had like a little tiny afro, and I don't know. I felt I felt that was kind of like the start of my natural hair journey in a way because. I hadn't seen my natural hair texture for years and it's always been relaxed, relax, relax.
1: I feel like it's funny because for people with straight hair, they're kind of like, it's just hair, like what's the issue? It's just not that deep for them. So I feel like a lot of people who don't have our hair type are gonna be surprised listening back to this. When you're not in it, you can't imagine these types of experiences. I was even um, researching this case um, with this little girl called Ruby Williams. She had a three year legal battle because she was repeatedly sent home from the age of 14 for wearing her natural afro from school and you'd never think like it would get that deep but I feel like for us it's like a lived experience that you're always fighting against because to go to school you always think you need to go there looking presentable I feel like it's been conditioned into us that black hairstyles aren't presentable but they really are there's nothing wrong with them it's like even with the ballet thing that we're saying you can do some really nice braided hairstyles, but because it doesn't fit into a westernized standard of what you should look like, you don't think it looks presentable, but it's absolutely fine. And I feel like for me, even when I tried to transition into having curly hair, you know, like the transitioning period, because you put so much damage on your hair, because I was straightening my hair since like year six to like year 10 or year 11. So all the curls had like gone, like the curl pattern was finished. So like the first day I tried to rock it curly, it was just like, you know when it's just like straight it's kind of like string kind of thing it's not there's no curls to it so when I went in it was a joke an absolute joke I said I can't do this again <laughs> there's absolutely no way I can do this again. <laughs> I think I came back the next day of it straight I was a straightened dog on the weekend and then I was like Olivia you just gotta fight for it so I fought for it and went out the other side like it sounds like it's being quite dramatic but because you can get a lot of judgment and a lot of like taking the mick out of you if you don't push through that you'll never come out of it it is you do have to fight through that initial part of feeling well I felt ugly anyway um and then once you kind of get on the other side it is much more of a relief I think a lot of um Caucasian people don't actually um fully understand the lengths I think it takes to care for curly or afro hair like for example, like things like going swimming or anything like that, they'll just like jump in the pool. Like, oh, my hair will dry. I'll be fine. Let's go out after. I'm like, go out after. No, after um, we've been. After my <laughs> hair's been wet. Um, I need two three working days to recover. <laughs> what? My hair's frizzy. It's dry. It needs moisture. Yeah, you know I stopped doing lessons because of my hair. I said, do you know what? That Saturday morning, having to do my hair every week. Forget it i said no I, I just said i was like I said Mum, it's just too much waking up on a saturday getting in the pool all that clawing that long wash process oh. it's just it's too much my whole saturday was gone yeah was yeah hair wash days as well um i i mean all my housemates they know like if i'm gonna wash my hair i'm not going out the rest of the day um, the bathroom's mine for a good hour um so get your showers in before because it's gonna take me a hot while yeah it's a real process it's not just um an overnight thing to care for your hair to look after it nurture it. it's it's a big commitment um but for me it's it's all I haven't gravitated towards like after high school and stuff I just really wanted to look after my hair and just nurture it and, and grow it out like how I've seen a lot of women of afro-caribbean descent and i'm still learning as well um more learning how to do like more protective hairstyles so like box braids twists and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's a process and it's um never ending i don't think i i think and yeah. to be fair when we're talking about this you gonna understand why some people just think you know what? i'm just gonna relax my hair or i'm just gonna wear a wig or wear a weave because it's so much time and effort and it's not on a plate for you, you actually have to go research, you have to try the product, see what works for you, obviously take all the time on wash day, conditioning, it's not easy, so it's very easy, because now I'm kind of comfortable in my routine to say, yeah, I like to wear my hair natural, but it took me so long to get the right routine going, and even now it still needs work, so I can understand why you might not want to do that.
2: Yeah, I agree, obviously whilst there is the whole like you know western beauty standards that are shoved in our face like that plays a big part but I have agree with you Olivia that it is like it can be stressful as well and I feel like growing up in a mixed like family with my mum being the white one like it was even harder because obviously she didn't know what was going on like she had no clue so no one was really there to teach me what to do with my hair and I kind of just had to just discover that along the way and find out but for a long time like it was just, there was never any hope because it's like my dad was clueless, my mom was clueless and here's me with curly head just trying to basically look like my mom and like just straighten it and, you know, just look like everyone else. It's hard, it is. Like when there's no one to like show you the ropes and you've got to learn it all yourself, like it is hard, which I think is, that's why it's nice that like the natural hair movement and like people, like Ebony was saying, like learning from other people on the internet learning on YouTube, like it's nice because you do find people to kind of guide you through it because otherwise it can be really confusing and really stressful and you don't really know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is nice to come together and we'll talk about it. Like, I love that. So our next question is, what are some of your experiences with like black hair care and stuff? Like I was just saying to Olivia, like how many times have you guys walked into a black hair product shop and actually seen a black person who owns it behind the counter? As for me I think it's like maybe one time or two to a push
1: one of I've gone into shops is actually main, mainly been um Asian
2: people who've owned mm-hmm. them I've noticed
1: yeah same why.
2: yeah so I was basically reading so there was a study six years ago and it basically found that even though we're like the main consumers of black hair care we only as black people only own three percent of the industry so although like we're consuming most of it. We don't actually, you know, have that many businesses ourselves within it. It's sad because, you know, that's like quite a big industry that we can profit from. And it's something that our whole community is based around. Yet we're not, you know, part of the business. Like we're not a big part of the business. So what do you guys know about that? And what are some of your experiences with like black hair care and stuff?
1: Yeah, I've noticed, I've, I've been seeing a lot of, um, I'm reading a lot about that as well. Um, especially like, cause I use Cantu like a lot. Um, that's not black-owned. Yeah, so, that. And I'm ashamed. It's just shameful, isn't it? It's like, oh, now what? But I have looked into um, black-owned hair products, and they're extremely expensive. Like, very expensive. And it's like, how can I afford that? How can the majority of black peoples afford that, really and truly? Mm-hmm. It's a very vicious cycle. Like, everyone's been talking about the black economy recently, and obviously they started up Black Pound Day, which is on the 1st of every month i believe and um i was looking into buying some black hair products online but when i was looking at the same products that i know i can get from like the asian run store for like five pounds are being sold for like seven pounds on the site and you have to pay like three four pound delivery and i feel like for a community that struggles with money anyway there's a lot of not poverty but low income backgrounds within the black community how can you expect them to spend that much money on products when they can get them cheaper? So it's kind of like a constant cycle because we're mm. not giving our money to black businesses. Therefore, black businesses have to keep their, um, their costs up to get profit because otherwise they're never going to make any profit. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of hard because I kind of had to say to myself, I'd spend the extra money on like a designer bag or some nice Nike shoes so sometimes you have to think for the greater good of your community you just have to spend the extra bit of money but it is hard to say because it's kind of easy to say when you have the money but people who don't have money what are they supposed to do?
2: i was just gonna say I feel like it's similar to what we were saying earlier about like making the transition from you know having relaxed hair to go into your your natural hair state and how like in between it's like a rough process but you have to get through that i feel like that's kind of like this like a metaphor for this which is we're trying to support black businesses but it is hard because we're we're so far behind so it's like it takes that little extra push and for the people who are able to do that they need to because then hopefully like we'll be able to you know get the industry on our side again basically is what i'm trying to say
1: it's a hard business to feed into because we are their sole um investors because you can't rely on people outside of the natural hair community to buy your products, what is a Asian person going to do by buying your products? You have a very small consumer base to reach out to and if they're not buying from you, no one's buying from you. Mm. I think it's also a problem of accessibility as well, like um, my hometown, the only place where I can get like um, proper Afro-Caribbean hair care products is from the market, otherwise it's just boot the super drug and they have it's gotten better over the past um few years um, and they've got a small selection of um like africa Caribbean hair care ranges that i can get some products for that work with my hair but otherwise i mean if i sometimes you do have to make treks you actually have to make treks to go and get what's right and most of the time i'm always yeah me and olivia this one time oh my god it was about five o'clock rush hour in london I went over to Lewisham after class to go and get some hair. Ca- I took a whole about hour and a half going from Deptford to Lewisham to get the hair products that I wanted in rush hour. Oh, it was long, tangent. But yeah, I think accessibility is, um, is a massive issue. And um, yeah, because you just don't have the same products that you want in your, your local Boots or Superdrug. And I think a lot of it is trial and error. I'm constantly, finding a new product that I want to see if it works with my hair and then if it doesn't I've got to go and find something else and yeah not easy. I was just going to say obviously Kira you mentioned about how they're bringing in black hair products into Superdrug and stuff and I think that even when they're in mainstream shops which is obviously progress they're put in another section you never find black hair products with you know, what you class as normal hair products. So even by putting them in mainstream stores, you feel othered because I can't walk into the aisle, I'm gonna find Tresemme and find the products that I need. So I feel like there's always that thing of being othered because even in um, Walmart in America, up until like I think a month ago, two months ago, they were locking up the black hair products. Nothing else was being locked up. None of the white hair products, but the black hair products being locked up. And I know Emma's mentioned before, that when you go into a black hair shop, you're getting followed around, like
2: you're going to steal the stuff. You literally, you go in the shop and they'll, their eyes are on you, they'll literally walk around the, the shop following uh, you. And it's like, I, know, I, I need to give you custom, like, don't treat me <laughs> like a criminal.
1: Yeah, they're always on your case as well, aren't they? I don't know if they're trying to sell certain or they're just <laughs> watching, it's annoying. It's just like, yeah, I'm fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm <laughs> good. <clone>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I feel like subconsciously, by locking up black hair products, you link criminality and blackness. Mm. Because the idea that you feel you need to lock up black hair products suggests the only person who can be buying it is us. So we're going to steal your stuff. I wonder if people think about the implications stuff like that has, though. Like, prejudice. It's very prejudice. Very prejudice. Um, I just think, yeah, I think buying um, hair care... For, for black or Af- for afro textured hair is 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 a challenge, I think that links back to why we all usually opt for having a relaxed or straighter look because it's just easier um, It's quite sad it is
2: okay so there's I think there's... next we're just going to talk about like um, cultural appropriation and the history of black hair. so what do you guys think about cultural appropriation and I thought I'll just start off with a little. Definition.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah.
2: you know what it is, but just, you know, I'm going to read out the definition the book standard one. So, mm-hmm. cultural appropriation, the inappropriate adoption of the practices of one social or ethnic group by members of another typically dominant community or society. So, yeah, what are your opinions on cultural appropriation, guys?
1: I don't know about um, the rest of you, but the way I look at it anyway is sort of the idea of um, Caucasian people when they're adopting hairstyles like braids or camros or whatever, um, people finding that offensive. I actually don't find that offensive. I don't find that. I don't find that offensive personally. What I find offensive is when <laughs> they adopt that, but it's still used against black people to single you out or make you feel like you're not as professional. Yeah. Disney. Or they've adopted it and they haven't given creds or it's like Mm. this new thing that they've discovered is like they've taken it Mm. for themselves it's like oh look at me and my boxer braids
2: what who was it was it like Kylie Jenner one of those Jenner's Kardashians one of them anyway did that yeah yeah and everyone was talking about oh yeah this new style that blah blah whoever has come up with and that's I think that's the annoying part cultural break region new style you know what I mean new wear That's what it is. I think it's about using something which you don't understand or aren't mm. educated on the history of it. Because really? all of these styles, like all of these, like Afro Caribbean styles, like hairstyles, they have so much cultural baggage and cult- mm. like, historical attachments. And mm. that's what is gets. That's what gets me. I'm getting frustrated. I can't even go <laughs> yeah. That's Yeah. Gets me is not just doing it. It's doing it and not understanding where it comes from or mm. like. The immense history attached to it
1: like with dreadlocks like you see a lot of white guys and girls women, and girls yeah, yeah like dreading up their hair doing the most and stuff and mm. they don't know what the history of that they don't know about the rastafari they don't know what where that comes from do you know what i mean and mm. the package it it holds um because we were fully like you know our hairs were our hair was shaved and you know we were killed for things like this for having um and you know napping here i'm saying that in beach marks yeah and it's just like they claim it and they and it's like it's a, it's a um what's it called a trend it's like a, it's a real trend um it's not a lifestyle it's not you can they can just take it out and they can just you know go back to their normal lives i guess I think if you want to wear hair in dreadlocks or braids or um, sort of these styles that have been around for centuries in our culture, I think fine. But educate yourself, learn about it, understand where it's come from, and sort of the repercussions that uh, Afro Caribbean people have had to deal with when wearing their hair in those ways. I think a lot of people, yeah, like you said, see it as a trend and yeah, I think that's I think that's the issue is it's not it's not a trend, it's very real and yeah. Yeah. But then obviously then you have the other side to it. Uh is it okay for black women and men to, you know, wear wigs and you know, wear weaves and stuff and wear straight hair? That's also a question that comes up. It's like, well, if you can't do it, sorry, if we can't do it, then why are you wearing our hair? And I'm just like, no.
2: That is the most ridiculous argument back to, like, back to cultural variation. That's the most ridiculous thing ever because it's not It's not a two-way street in any way. I saw this thing, like an article earlier, um, it's called, it's an opinion piece, it's called Opinion Black Culture is Not Yours to Take by McKenna Roy. And basically she said in that that black people literally cannot appropriate straight hair. It doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. It doesn't happen. Because straight hair is a genetic... Thing. it's not a hairstyle with historical with a historical tie to a specific culture and she said when black women wear their hair straight they aren't appropriate in white culture they are participating in cultural assimilation because we are trying to be accepted into a society that's like biased and majority white so it's not cultural appropriation because number one there's no cultural baggage behind straightened white hair so it doesn't exist and it's you. Literally us trying to if anything it's worse for us because we're just trying to come to the western beauty standards so i don't want to hear no one tell me that oh wow, 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 you're appropriating white people no no it's not a thing <laughs> <laughs> that's all done yeah
1: and we don't wear white hair we wear indian or remy brazilian hair exactly.
0: <laughs> yes it uh, is. <inches. laughs>
1: I was reading this article by Samantha Callender and she basically said in the article, quote, what's most infuriating is that white women still feel they can tell black women what is and what isn't cultural appropriation or culturally sensitive topics. And I think that really resonates because I feel like a lot of people, obviously you can have debate and debate's healthy, but I think if someone raises an issue and they feel like something is cultural appropriation, the worst thing you can do is shut them down or belittle their argument because it's kind of like, people are asking you to speak and then when you do speak you're silenced.
2: Yeah. yeah. I have another little question for you guys. So obviously we're talking, we've been talking about majority groups and like white um, majorities appropriating culture, but what do you guys think about other minority groups? Do you think that they can, sh- like do you think among minority groups culture can be shared or do you think it's still appropriation when other minority groups try to use parts of black culture and vice versa? I
1: think, I honestly, I think even when I see a white person, for example, with braids or cameos or whatever, I just look like just looking at that doesn't, I don't find that offensive. I don't think I see it as cultural appropriation. Like I said, I think as long as they have educated themselves about the history of that hairstyle, they understand where it's come from and the struggles that black people have had to go through. By wearing that, I think fine. So for any other ethnic minority group to do that, I would feel the same. I think if you want to do your hair with braids, go for it. Just know that it's not like for black people. It's not a switch that they can just we like. It's it's a constant thing that we're having to deal with. And so for you to wear that, just be. I think you have to just be very very. Cautious and educate yourself on it. So I would, I would feel the same. I think. Yeah, I'd feel the same as well. It's just I feel like sometimes just because you're not white, we as black people let them off a little bit. You know that. Like I I have like some Asian. I've had Asian friends, like Indian friends, and you know I've allowed them. For example, when we're you know listening to music and that. Oh oh, no! (laughs) Don't say it. (laughs) Don't say it you're one of those people giving out passes That's yeah um i do know a lot of asian people that do act well not that just really like you know buy into like black culture and stuff and they obviously love our music and they you know rap our lyrics they say the n-word you know just because their skin is brown but they're not of african you know heritage so i feel like that's the problem that's the thing that we probably need to address with them like and be like well no it's it's not acceptable it's not cool
2: I feel like it's like okay because you know groups of minorities have a shared idea of struggle because I feel like there are similarities in cultural struggles but then we have to also remember there's like a massive divide between different cultures and the struggles they've been through so it's like it's hard because it's like they get where we're coming from and we get where they're coming from but i still feel that yeah that can't run do you know what i mean <laughs> i can't think of a better way to to put it but it can't run because it's no. it's not like you can just pick and choose no
1: but this is yeah. the thing i feel like this is the big difference like yeah. our culture is very heavily consumed by outsiders and this is a problem that i have which is just being so like washed to mm. the point where other people are claiming it as their own, and I'm just kind of, tired yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, you gotta draw the line
2: there, yeah, guys. Yeah. I just thought of quite a good example. So, obviously, like, I would say a do rag doesn't necessarily hold as much cultural baggage as other like forms of head wrap. Would you agree? Like, it does, like, I would say it's more of a like more modern. Right style, but I would say that because it's a head wrap and head wraps in, in general, like hold obviously a lot of historical relevance and baggage, and the idea of covering your hair as a black person does. I would then put a do-rag in with those things and say that it has like a similar type of thing going on. So yeah,
1: I think they're a bit different. Like, I feel like their headscarves and head wraps that's obviously a lot to do with Tignon laws. But yeah, what laws are? they're from 1786 where um, black women were like forced to wrap up their hair because um, white women became envious because they were attracting a lot of attention from white males. But with the do-rag, I feel like that's got a lot of links to criminality. Like I don't know the fact by fact history of it, but a lot of people, when they think do-rags, they think prison, gang, mm-hmm. criminals. So I feel like they are they are both containing a lot of baggage, but they're a bit different. Like I feel like one, One's, like, emotionally negative, and the other one's quite prejudiced.
2: Yeah, like, bad stereotypes are attached. But then also, it is attached to the idea of just hair care, like, you know, black men and hair care. Yeah. I was just going to say as an example, like, so I obviously saw... So I would say that only black boys should wear do-rags, and if I see a white boy wearing a do-rag, what are you doing, because you don't, you can't even get waves, I so don't even know what you're doing, that's stupid, yeah. but anyway, that's not my point, my point is, the other day I saw, on TikTok, I think it was, I saw a Sikh boy wearing a do-rag, and obviously, like, I would say do-rag is part of black culture, but I get, obviously, Sikhs cover their hair too, so this is what I mean when I'm talking about, like, there's a sort of Cultural crossovers where we can relate to other people But then it's like this question of ownership if you saw that would you think that's all right? Or would you think no he shouldn't do that because I thought that's kind of nice Like when I saw that I was like that's nice that we can share that part of our culture
1: But this is the thing I feel like the sharing of culture and the cultural exchange is not equal Mm. Because if that was okay for me to partake in that on a daily basis then I said yeah But if I did some of the things from other cultures everyone would be looking like what are you doing?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. This black culture is cool. You can just tag on when you want.
2: Yeah, true.
1: I think this whole topic is actually very, like, very tricky to navigate. I think, I mean, as an example, when I was a lot younger, maybe about sort of fourteen, I used to really enjoy wearing bindis, that obviously a lot Mm. of Indian people wear. And now looking back on it, I probably may have been appropriating, but I remember. From my mindset, I think partly because I was younger and I just wasn't as educated on issues like this as I am now, but I just, from my mindset, I just thought, well, they're beautiful and I would really want to wear one, but I didn't see it as that actually has a lot of historical baggage, meaning, struggle behind it. Do you see what I mean? But I don't know if the intention is always to be offensive. I think as well, because... I was surrounded by a lot of white people. When anybody showed the slightest bit of interest in my culture, I was like, let me tell you more. Let me, let me tell you more. Do you, want, do you want me to do your hair and braids? I can do your hair and braids. Because like, I, I found it... Yeah, I, I remember getting excited when people wanted to be involved. Yeah. So sweet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, I don't know, Jasmine, I don't know if you want to speak on it, but maybe it's a difference in where you grow up, because obviously you, myself, and Emma all grew up in London. Black culture has always been quite the dominant thing within school. Maybe that's why we've had a different experience at Kira.
0: Yeah, I guess, like, black culture was a very big thing. Like, just especially, like, music, hair, like, just everything. Everything was just, like, everyone was kind of doing it and sort of, th- like, sort of thing.
1: I, rem- I remember when I was at school, when people actually asked me intelligent questions about my hairstyles and things like that, because I didn't have anybody else to share that with other than people in my family, I was literally gassed. I was like, let me tell you, like, do you want me to do <laughs> my own braids? Like, do you want me to show you how I wash my hair? Like, I, f- I found it really exciting. And I think that maybe is because the area that I was from, there was no real black culture that was
2: happening. Yeah. But then I feel like that's different as well. That's better because it's someone's asking you and it's coming from an educ like there's education attached to it you know i mean like you're showing them those parts of your culture and educating them on it and i feel like that's like not completely obliterates the idea of cultural appropriation but it makes it better because at least they can come from an educated point of view where they will actually understand you know what the style if they're going to use it they'll understand what it is and hopefully what's behind it Yeah,
0: I was just going to add to that point and say, like, if it comes from a a place of, like, you know, you're actually wanting to know and not just, like, belittling the person or being like, oh, why is your hair like that? And blah, 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 blah. I think that's much better.
2: So before we um, recorded this podcast, we just asked some of our listeners to send in any questions that they might or things that they want us to address, basically. So we're just going to go through them now and discuss them a little bit. So, uh, the first one is, do you think our hair divides us as a black woman?
1: I'm going to start, yes. Yes. I feel like it's getting a lot better. A lot, lot better. But yes, because I feel like there's a lot of, like, texture discrimination in adjustment. A lot of texture (laughs) discrimination. I feel like sometimes people have been like, to me, oh, you have really good hair. What is good hair? What is that? I was going to say because like Emma for example um, because obviously you're mixed race so your hair is curly but it's quite smooth in texture and stuff like a lot of people say your hair is like the ideal hair I feel like that in itself is so problematic
2: mm. When you guys were talking about you know the lengthy processes earlier in my head I'm thinking well, I know I don't have to do half as much as you guys like we can I can understand where you're coming from because I feel like we all you know have a a bit of a shared struggle, so we understand each other. But it's very different between like the five of us here. There's completely different experiences attached. I think like another reason that the whole like, you know, the more um lighter complexions and the what's it called, like, like
1: the juicy you or hair texture, yeah, like, really. like yeah,
2: the yeah. textures. Another reason that they're like fetishized. I wouldn't say fetishized, cause pretty much, yeah, is because mm. I think where that's closer to being able to conform to the Western beauty standards. It's yeah. like, it's not, and you can easily just quickly like switch on your Western white, you know, flipping attributes or whatever.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, I remember being younger and, um, like my, uh, my cousin is mixed race and I remember being like, oh my gosh, I really want your hair. Like I wished we could swap one day and my hair used to be like a lot, um, a lot more coarse and like thicker in a way but I mean her hair's thick too but I remember being like I felt like being mixed race your hair is much easier to deal with but I don't know I guess just that's just how I felt but now I would say that black women are becoming more and more accepting of each other's hair and understanding that everyone's hair is different and like we all have natural hair and we all have our own natural attributes to how our hair is.
1: I think a lot of, um, a point that a lot of Caucasian people do not understand, a lot of white people need to learn is that even the, I think they kind of just see, oh, you're mixed race and you're black, but there is such like a variation from one to the other, like the range is astronomical. And I mean, even me and my sister, we're both mixed race. But our hair—we've got the same parents. Our hair is so so different, and I I do think there is this sort of notion that the lighter you are, the more accepted you are because you're that bit closer to being white. Um, I do often think that some of like the problems that I faced, and it's it's a horrible thought to have, but I often think if I was black, they would have been ten times worse and much more of a struggle but I do think we're we're getting to a a place now where we are becoming a lot more understanding of each other's hair and I personally love seeing everyone's different hair types and yeah um I think it would be boring if everyone looked the same Mm -hmm. yeah I agree emphasizing to Emma when we were organizing this podcast like I didn't want it just to be like us with like because we have similar hair types. Mm. So I wanted like a range of people because it's different experiences. It's like mm. the interpretations of how you've coped or managed with your hair. So I feel like it's very different. And I think also within, I feel like within black people but also within wider communities there needs to be an understanding that it's not like a set formula. It's not like because you're mixed race, you're going to have this type of hair or because you're black, you're going to have this type of hair. Because
0: mm-hmm. I've had someone
1: face me before because obviously I appear mixed race, but both my parents are black. Um, and someone said to me before, oh, but the line that I usually get is your hair. Like, how, like, how like, was your hair like that if you're black? And I just think that's just so, it's kind of rude, to be honest.
2: Rude.
1: Like, why couldn't I have the hair that I have and be black? to so anybody who fetishizes over having, you know, like, Mixed race babies. What is this whole oh, this whole thing with people oh, like oh, over having mixed race kids? Listen, oh. you're in oh. for you're in for some difficult um, times if you're Primes. having mixed race children. Good luck looking after their hair. Start reading now. Start learning now. Mixed race comes in um, in many different. It's versatile, isn't it? So they're going to have a rude awakening. Rude awakening. <laughs> Read your books now. Start preparing yourself now. Start right. learning how to cut <laughs> <plot> hair, now! <laughs> I was gonna say, um, just before we move on to the next question, is I also think there's quite a division in terms of the natural hair community, which we all actually fall into, because we all wear our hair natural, and then people that prefer to wear wigs and weave, and I feel like because the natural trend has evolved so much and now become the new thing, I feel like some people, none of us here would ever do it, but other people kind of look down on people who are still wearing wigs and weaves and think you're better because you're now on this whole new like self-love journey and you're now like, you're, you're woke and you know what you're doing and I feel like there still needs to be a respect for people who want to wear weaves and want to wear wigs because it doesn't mean just because you wear a wig you don't love them.
2: Mm. I agree, man, 100%. I feel like it's just such a complex matter and everyone like we should just love everyone just love ourselves love everyone that's all i'm trying to say (laughs) love it (laughs) okay so the next question is this is an interesting one what do you think about people touching your hair
1: don't touch my hair (laughs)
2: literally (laughs) Salon said
0: don't touch my Hair. Doo, doo. and people are still doing it they are still doing it to this day <laughs> how many views on youtube and you are still touching black people's hair why why
1: my teacher used to touch my hair you know back sure. in my old college yeah I used to have my hair on top of my head with a bun and you know when the, you know in ballet when you used to be like lift up used to come over to me used to be like it was like you'd grab my bun and used to just pull it up and I'm like, that's rude. Um, Renee, she's not here today. But she said one time, like, it's not a petting zoo. I don't walk around touching other people's hair, but I feel like it's the idea of I'm something different, like you're looking at this whole new alien, it's like, let me just have a touch and it's, no.
2: It's literally embedded into history as well, like it's written into history. Like that that did happen. There was petting zoos our hair was apparently a marvel like our body our shape was a marvel people did come and poke us like that's leave that i'm not gonna swear leave that stuff back there in history like we don't like it's not how it's running now you can't just touch people
1: imagine how history repeats itself as well was it like 60 years ago in belgium they abolished them. The petting zoos the human zoos and that's basically what they would do isn't it they would um go around these zoos white people and they'd smooth our skin and they'd touch Mm. our hair little girls little boys and you know it's just mad how it's still happening to this day obviously it's not like we're not we're not kept in zoos but it's the same like intent intentions and stuff it's like why are you so curious about my hair (laughs) it's just my hair
2: Wait, okay, I was gonna say as well. I, I'm sure you guys probably know about. This is like quite a famous um, example of Chi Bartman. Said that right? But you, yeah, you, like it's a very famous photo. She was basically born in South Africa, and she was made to take part in shows basically, and she was displayed, like put on display, and then she died when she was like 26. But they kept her body like on display, and like. <sighs> They, I don't know. I think I'm not not sure on the facts of like on what state her body was in, but they kept her body on display in Paris until 1974. That's not that long ago, guys. That's really not that long ago. And she wasn't buried until 2002. That's when she was buried in 2002, right? Like deeper. Like her body was on display till quite recently, and she's only just been given her peace by being buried like not that long ago. Deeper. Yeah,
1: I think heard about that
2: yeah
1: that is so wrong that is awful I remember a lot of like I said I think I said before a lot of my friends growing up were white and the amount of times they would all touch my hair and be like oh my god like wow and I don't think I think a lot of people don't mean for it to come in a um as an attack or as an offensive way I think sometimes people are genuinely interested because their hair is not like that they might not seen hair like that before but I think it's when all of a sudden you realise you're surrounded by about five or six people staring at you like yeah. you're an alien from out of space. Mm-hmm. And I think it's taking a step back and actually realising how how uncomfortable that, that is. And then they mind that I've got product in my hair and they've got to go wash their hands. Well, it so serves sure you yeah, no. all right. And I feel like people misunderstand that we're not attacking your intentions Like I'm not saying you're a horrible person, you mm-hmm. mean wanted to make me feel bad but you should understand how that makes someone feel at the end of the day I think because they think oh if I make a fuss over if I make a fuss over you you will feel special or something like that but actually it's doing the opposite you are make you're drawing attention and sort of you're adding on to this idea of being the outsider because oh you're so
2: different so let's all have a show and tell We don't want to feel special, we don't want to feel like a spectacle, we don't want to be part of your fetish. We just want to live our lives normally and not have you poke up our hair, That's it? Simple. Yes, simple, simple, simple. Okay, so this is not really a question, it's just like something someone wanted us to address. So they said the negativity towards shrinkage and the obsession with hair length, how we feel the need to prove our hair is actually longer in our non-natural state, e.g. when pulled, stretched, straightened or wet.
1: I feel like that could be around the assumption that black people's hair doesn't grow. So I feel like you're always in a constant thing to prove. Look, no, 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 I do have long hair. Because I remember even when I I used to have like hair down to my back, and people used to say that my hair wasn't real. I literally be like, why couldn't it be real? And they're like, no, 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 black people don't have hair that long. And I was like, oh, but I do. So <laughs> it's a fact. I think it happens to all of us. Just our hair does it. Sh- it shrinks when it's dry. Mm. But um. I think, yeah, it's like going back to the Western beauty standard. I've always wanted longer hair. I don't feel like I should feel ashamed that I always strive for longer hair, but there is definitely something wrong with trying to prove to people that my hair has grown. And still to this day when I pull my hair out to its full length, everyone goes, oh, God, your hair is so long. Like, yeah.
0: And Yeah, I was just going to say, like, from like an African household type of thing, the belief is that the same thing like black girls can't have long hair, and like if someone does have long hair, um, my mom or anyone else will be like, "No, they're mixed race. They have, they have white. They have white in them somewhere there. That's why their hair is long. Like their hair, their hair can't be long without them being mm-hmm. mixed race or some sort of other, some sort of other like, relative, race, that yeah. isn't black. Yeah."
1: all hair types, textures can be long if we look after it. It's just our hey. hair grows in like, obviously a coily, curly nature. So it's gonna it's gonna shrink up. It's gonna actually like look shorter when it's, you know, just washed and dried up. How do you guys feel about um, people when they sort of idolise people like Beyonce or Rihanna who often have, I mean, I've seen them both have hair down past their bum and people kind of like, well, why can't your hair be like that? Obviously, they're wearing weaves or wigs, which is like nothing wrong with that. But how do you feel when sort of that is kind of like a standard that we're like trying to get to?
2: I feel like, like we said earlier, it's your own personal choice of how you would want to style your hair. But I agree with you, Kira. Like, I do think it's problematic that the majority of, yeah, prominent black female figures don't have natural hair and i'm not saying that that's anything against them but i with my little conspiracist mind as well would not even be surprised if they had no say in that and that was all marketing do
1: you know what i actually believe it is that because i was watching this video about alexandra burke who won x-factor when she was 19 and she was signed to simon cowell's record label and they told her she couldn't have braids or an afro because she had to have hair that would appeal to white people so they could understand her better so i think
2: that really is a thing.
1: Yeah, there's just a lack of representation. It's not good enough.
2: Okay, so the next question is, does anyone get embarrassed when the products in their hair leave marks on the studio floor when we're dancing? All
1: the time, and I'm so glad this question yes! I honestly believe all the slippery patches on the dance floor um, probably from us, so <laughs> apologise. And yeah. it's funny because it is... When I deal with it by myself, it's really embarrassing because you feel othered. But when I'm with you lots, it's not embarrassing because that's just normal. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing that Laban can do about it. It's not like we can bring it to the head office and be like, um, there's a problem with your floor because there's nothing wrong with their floor. But it's just, mm. you don't understand because I think within like Caucasian hair, oil and grease is a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Like that's like, you don't wash your hair enough so you get grease and oily hair. But for us, we put products in our hair because our hair's dry. We
2: need yeah. To be uh, okay, and then the last question. Have you ever felt like you had to change your hair for a job or interview or an event or had to tame it?
1: I sometimes feel that I, I'm not, I wouldn't say change it. I think I'd say tame it. Like, I don't think I, I feel like I wouldn't be able to wear my hair, like, completely loose. Or like in like a high pony or something like that. If I was going for a, a job interview, I don't know why. I just wouldn't feel very. I don't know. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I don't think. Same here yeah. as well. I would. Um, I wouldn't change it. Like I wouldn't completely put another. You know, like a, a, some women would put wigs on or install sort of weave. I would. I would like slick it down, or I'd put it in a low burn or something like that. I even do that on a regular basis for dance. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. just because easier
2: quotation marks um but yeah i think like i probably wouldn't wear braids if i was going to an interview or i would second guess it but you know what maybe i'll just next next interview i go to maybe i'll just do it anyway but i probably wouldn't sadly enough which is stupid well
1: there was a study by the perception institute in 2017 and it said that one in five black women feel social pressure to straighten their hair for work. And that was a quote by the way, and are much more likely than white women to feel anxiety over the issue. So yeah. I feel like a lot of women are going in for like professional work. I feel like it's a bit easier on us because we're in a creative industry. There's a bit more room for self-expression, but if you're going for a job like for a lawyer or in a yeah. role-based base role, you'd feel a lot mm. more likely to want to look quotation professional.
2: Okay so that's all of the questions done so onto my favourite part we're going to just give you some recommendations for books, shows, articles, all of that jazz that you might want to go look into.
0: Okay so the book I have to recommend is revised and updated hair story untangling the roots of black hair in America and it's written by Adana D. Beeren and Laurie L. Thrups, I don't know how you say those names, but yeah, it's just if you just type Untangling the Roots of Black Hair in America, and it has four, four black women on the cover with all different hairstyles. Yeah,
1: um, I have a book to recommend, um, it's called Curly Like Me How to Grow Your Hair Healthy, Long, and Strong, and it's by Terry LaFleche. and um, it's my hair bible, um she basically, she first of all talks about her journey with, um, her hair, uh, growing up and then goes on to basically her and her natural journey. And then the rest of the book is filled with like tips on how to, from washing your hair to combing it to hairstyles. Um, I got it quite a few years ago. Um, and I only actually probably just read it maybe six months ago, but I would recommend. Um,
2: okay. So I've got, the documentary good hair um chris rock presents it and i think you can get it on amazon prime I'm not sure where else but it's quite old so it's probably available if you want to stream it somewhere and then the other thing is self-made it's on netflix um it's like a short series it's really good i've recently watched it with my mom um it's basically about Madam cj walker and like her story if you don't know about her look her up as well like yeah it's all about the black hair industry and just black hair in general so yeah watch that
1: oh yeah that's that's i agree with that one i was going to suggest that um but also the world of youtube as well it's just a great um resource that helped me that saved me when i was in high school um just typing in you know just how to care for natural just type in your hair texture and so many videos will come up to be honest um and then also when it comes to the male hair care as well, because I was I was asked a question about male hair care. Um, the same goes. There's a lot of guys on YouTube actually coming through. Um, there's this British guy called Nas N-A-S-S. Um, he talks about his natural hair and how he, he looks after it. Um, so yeah, definitely the world of YouTube is a great resource. And it's free, so use it. I actually have a YouTube recommendation as well. The channel's called Hair Unruled, and then if you go onto their playlist, they have one called Black Is dot, 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 and it's like these small little clips that are probably only about like three minutes each, and they talk about different subjects, which is quite cool.
2: Also, um, we're gonna put links to all of these resources in the description and any of the articles that we've brushed up on, so you can find everything in the description. Yeah, pretty much.
1: So guys, I guess that's it. Thank you so much. I feel like that's my favourite one so far. We've only done two, but that's still my favourite. Definitely. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for listening, um, viewers. Um, Hopefully we can um, keep this ball rolling and come out with new topics to talk about. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. (laughs)
2: Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) thank you for listening once again I thought that this little nugget of wisdom from Jasmine would be a nice outro so here you go and have a nice day
0: I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's a journey to like grow to love your hair and to get to know it more because it's a very different relationship than just oh this is just hair on my head you know